0: Support for this NPR podcast comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, family-owned, operated, and argued over since 1980. Proud supporter of independent thought, whether that's online, over the air, or in a bottle. More at sierranevada.com. It's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. Let's take a journey and honor the genius of Florian Schneider. Florian Schneider was one of the co-founders of the German group Kraftwerk. He died last week, just a few days after turning 73. Kraftwerk's music was so very different than almost anything made in the 1970s. They used synthesizers to create melodies and beats. Their lyrics often dealt with our relationship to machines. And it was Florian Schneider that often sang those lyrics, and he altered his voice with machines. Kraftwerk changed the course of music. Everyone from David Bowie, Joy Division, Prince, and later the birth of Electronica and EDM, they all owe something to Kraftwerk. Hip-hop most famously introduced much of the world to Kraftwerk when Africa Bambaataa and the soul sonic force used rhythms and melodies from two Kraftwerk tunes to create Planet Rock. On this edition of All Songs Considered, we celebrate the music of Kraftwerk and I'm joined by Gita Dayal, who's written extensively on Kraftwerk and is the author of the book on Brian Eno called Another Green World. We talk about some of Kraftwerk's essential tunes, including this one, Autobahn. This is the great adventure. I want to talk about the context of this music in, you know, 1974 rock. Cuz uh, uh, for me, I was a guy working in record stores back then, and for me this was another absolute planet. It was prog rock, right? Back then you had, you know, Bad Company, <laughs> Bachman-Turner Overdrive as rock bands. This was nothing like that.
1: Oh, absolutely. It was uh, definitely heralding a new sound.
0: Let's talk about the development of that sound. Talk about where it comes from. How does it congeal?
1: Well, it was Kraftwerk um, began in 1970, and they had a very interesting origin story in Germany, in West Germany. They uh, had a previous band called Organization, uh, which was very but scrappy, kind of a hippie band. From the ashes of organization, Craftwork was formed. And Craftwork in the very early days was really different from the craftwork we think of now. Much more free form, much more all over the place, um, really interesting kind of free music. Um, and Florian Schneider, uh, who just passed away, he played flute. Um, in the early (laughs) days, which is pretty cool. And not at all what you would think of for like a 70s rock band, for sure.
0: Well, Jethro Tull was the only other, Ian Anderson was the only other one. Oh, there you go, yeah. That's it, that's that's the flute. Yeah, Jethro Tull, yeah.
1: But, you know, they were also using a lot of interesting electronic experiments very early on, whatever weird effects that they could do. They were very excited about synthesizers very early on. Autobahn is the first Kraftwerk track that really hit the mainstream consciousness. And it's very weird. The full version of Autobahn on the vinyl record, if you grabbed it in 74, as I'm sure you did, was 22 minutes long. And it's just this massive kind of glittering expanse of slowly changing music. It has this kind of It's like ambient, and it's got this uh, real um, bobbing sort of little beat. And the the words are striking, They're singing about the highways, yeah.
0: I always thought that the words were simply fun, fun, fun on the Autobahn.
1: A lot of people did. And, of course, they're saying fun, 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 which in uh, German is driving. So the verb fahren is to drive, and so...
0: We drive, drive, drive on the Autobahn, basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, another noteworthy thing about that uh, track is that it bears the fingerprints of this producer and engineer, Connie Plank, who was really, really key to Kraftwerk's early sound. Connie Plank's fingerprints are all over the early Kraftwerk sound. And he was a key part of Autobahn and the interesting sounds that you hear on that album.
0: Connie Plank was really instrumental in so many of the electronic German noise bands of the time. He's sort of the central figure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he passed away in the late 1980s, but he worked with Noy Neu- he worked with Cluster, a lot of these really interesting German bands in the 1970s. And Kraftwerk was one of those bands that he worked with.
0: 74 was Autobahn. Uh, the next record that came out was uh, Radioactivity. So we placed the title track from it? Absolutely. Again, more wordplay here with craftwork, Radioactivity. I think, if I remember right, the cover art was sort of the, um, that symbol for radioactivity, uh, nuclear power, that. But uh, if I remember right, the record title was Radio Dash Activity. And in my mind, uh, you know, it's in the air for you and me. I, I always thought about it as about for the radio. They pecked a lot into a little.
1: The lyrics of Radioactivity clearly and literally mention a lot of references to radiation and they retooled them over the years when they would play live to include you know some new examples of radioactive accidents or radiation but one of the things i find so interesting about craftwork is that craftwork didn't sing songs about like love the subject matter that most bands sing songs about craftwork is singing songs about Autobonds and radiation or train travel, you know, Um, they're singing about things that no bands are singing about, which is really cool to me.
0: And it was really often about the interaction between the human and the machine. So in the case of the autobahn, it was man and car. In the case of radioactivity, man and the radio or radio or nuclear power. Transuric Express, man and Train and I can go on, I guess, with uh, later Tour de France, man, human and bicycle, uh, <laughs> computer world. And I loved that about them because it was always so different from everything else around them. And the melody, so simple and beautiful.
1: Yeah, they really had a knack for writing really memorable melodies. And another cool thing about radioactivity is you can hear that really kind of ghostly sounding choir, that electronic sound in the background. That's a device called the orchestron um, that's making that freaky sound.
0: That right there, right?
1: Yep. It really heightens the, the paranoia and uh, of the song itself. Uh,
0: it's so beautiful. Let's move into trains.
1: Uh, Trans Europe Express was the name of an amazing album by Kraftwerk, and it's also the title track. Um, and it was released in 1977. Trans Europe Express is really interesting to me, because it's a really prescient track. Um, you can hear echoes of it in hip hop, which would follow soon enough. Um, you can hear it in electro, you can hear it in techno. Um, yeah. but. This is, I think, one of Kraftwerk's most prescient tunes.
0: Let's hear it. we talked just one second about the cover to this album when i saw that I, I was working again in record stores back then i mean look yes in 1977 rock people started cutting their hair but no one slicked their hair down with whatever product they were using they all looked like accountants right they did not look like rock everything about them did not fit a mold which was the beauty of who they were as as people. I never got to meet or talk with them. You have. Describe what you know of them as people, their personalities. I mean, their aesthetics seem obvious, but lend some insight.
1: I interviewed Ralph Hutter for Rolling Stone, and Ralph has always been a bit more forthcoming in interviews than Florian. So Florian Schneider, who just sadly passed away, was to me, the a lot of the technical genius of uh, that I hear in Kraftwerk, and especially anything to do with vocoders or speech synthesis, whenever you hear like a weird vocal in a Kraftwerk song, I always think of Florian because that was really his forte. He was really into that stuff. Now, as far as what interviewing Ralph was like, I found him to be really, really nice and loved talking about bicycles like... Like Kraftwerk (laughs) loves talking about transportation and any kind of transportation, trains, bicycles. His eyes just lit up, you know. When we started talking about bicycles, it was like he just couldn't stop talking about, you know, we talked about the Tour de France, and we talked about electric bicycles versus regular bicycles, and (laughs) we talked about all kinds of bicycle-related things. It's really one of their absolute favorite things is bicycles.
0: I'm talking with Gita Dayal. We're talking about craft work. We'll come right back. And you're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp Post World War II, some often feeling the guilt of World War II as a German, and also a whole new world being built up around them, including modes of transportations and stuff like that. I, I can't imagine that all of this didn't help make who they were, and the rise of technology in the, you know, as they were growing up in the in the '60s, '50s, '60s.
1: They absolutely um, reflect the technology. In every album, in every successive album that Kraftwerk has done, technology is one of the main themes in all of their music, but in a way it's this romantic idea of technology in the past. You know, when I listen to Kraftwerk, the Exulting in the Glories of Train Travel or when they play the song Tour de France live, they would always have this beautiful like black and white images of cyclists on the tour. It's this very nostalgic image. And I think there's something about craftwork that's romantic and nostalgic, that it's not cold technology, really. There's a human element to it, too.
0: In fact, in some ways, the human element comes out in in its rigidness, if that makes any sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a the famous quote that craftwork was so stiff, they were funky. <laughs> and um, and I think that's true. There's almost a sweetness to their music. It's very captivating. I remember being 13 and buying The Man Machine. It's great music for kids too. I think it's like sing-along music. And I remember how captivated I was by The Man Machine.
0: remember what compelled the 13-year-old you to uh, pick up that record?
1: Well, Neon Lights is my absolute favorite Kraftwerk song of all time, and it's a lot of people's favorite Kraftwerk song, especially the second half of that song is so transcendent. And when the vocals drop out, that's techno music.
0: more pulse than beat right
1: oh yeah it's 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 so amazing it's so minimal and yet it has so much power in it um it, it it's so it's just beautiful music Going back to the, you know, what you we were talking about earlier about Kraftwerk's album covers. I mean, the Man Machine for me it was like this really striking image of Kraftwerk. It's like this very really famous image of them wearing red shirts and black ties, you know, with their hair slicked back, <laughs> looking very severe. I just thought it was it's such a cool album cover and really strong image of a band. Really interesting um, visual look that they had.
0: Their technology in their studio was kind of far ahead of the ability to just pick it up and put it on the road, right?
1: They did tour in the mid-1970s, and you can find the recordings um, from that tour, and they're amazing. From, uh, I think, 74 or 75, that tour is awesome. And they did some innovations for, uh, you know, when they would tour— But really, what Florian loved was Kling Klong Studios, which was their famous recording studio that they had built with all of their gear. He loved tinkering in the studio, and you're right, that's really studio music. Especially back then, it's not that easy to play that music live. But Kraftwerk was very exacting about their sound and every note and how everything sounded, and the easiest way to have total control over your sound is to do it all in the studio environment where you can tightly control everything. Playing live introduces all kinds of room for error.
0: As a synth player back in those days, uh, I built a modular and had used all analog gear. That stuff didn't stay in tune. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got warm. It would go out of tune, much like a, an acoustic instrument in, in an odd way. And you, for... Kraftwerk music, as you say, the precision of what they needed—it wasn't part of the design of the technology to take that stuff out on the road and get on airplanes and be in underneath the in the cargo department. And then you go and you get on stage with it. It just wasn't road strong musical instruments.
1: But well, they were they were early adopters of the mini which was you know is always associated with Kraftwerk is the mini and the mini as you know, is um, definitely a much more portable version of the synthesizers that were around back then. So they made ample use of the Minimoog on a lot of their tracks, and that is certainly something you could bring to a live gig. But the Kraftwerk experience, I feel, is best experienced listening to the original records, maybe on headphones (laughs) Headphones, in your room.
0: I want to play this. This is Computer World. Uh, this is 1981, and this is the first time I ever saw Kraftwerk uh, perform live. I mean, at this point, their influence, first of all, was, was you know, David Bowie. In fact, when I saw Bowie in 76 in Station to Station, he opened with a, he didn't play it, but the, he opened with a Kraftwerk song playing on the loudspeakers. Um, you know, Joy Division and Gary Newman, Eurythmics, uh, who was also, they were also a Tommy Plank produced group and Spandau Ballet. There's so many groups who were so influenced by this stuff. Uh, it was quite remarkable.
1: Absolutely. Uh, David Bowie, as you, you mentioned, um, loved Kraftwerk and V2 Schneider is a sort of tribute to Florian. And I think part of the other reason why these bands were so intrigued by Kraftwerk is because you listen to these beats that they're using and it's so different from blues based rock and roll. There's nothing blues based about Kraftwerk's sound. It's really coming from this alien place. So it sounds so different from like, you know, let's say a band like The Rolling Stones. Kraftwerk is like the opposite of The Rolling Stones. It's coming from such a different place, from such an alien place, that it sounds kind of weirdly fresh because uh, you're just like, where is this music coming from? Are these people robots? You know, on The Man Machine, there's a song (laughs) called, a famous song called The Robots, which I love. And, and it, you know, I remember when I picked up my first Kraftwerk record, I'm like, are these real people or are, are they robots? <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure.
0: One of the greatest revelations I've ever had at a show was they played, I think it was the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C. in 81, this show with Computer World. And you know how crowds are. Band comes out, everybody screams. They play the hit song, everybody screams. Kraftwerk songs are kind of the same emotional Energy, unlike you mentioned, the Rolling Stones, when they blast that guitar and the drums hit really hard, it's a very different experience than when they're playing a soft song and people react that way. Well, when Kraftwerk played, you got the same reaction as you would have as if somebody's Keith Richards was up there playing a guitar. When the encore came, everybody just jumped out of their seats cheering really loud. And nothing very different had happened than it happened eight minutes before. So there was kind of like this Pavlovian thing I'd witness of people and crowds and reaction to music that despite the evenness, and I'm not taking away from emotional quality of the Kraftwerk have in their music because there's emotion in it, but it doesn't build in that way, but yet people still react in that way. And it was just a... Uh, an unforgettable moment for me and i think if i'm not mistaken the end of the show the last song that was played instead of the four members of Kraftwerk who stand basically still at their you know desks or tables or whatever lecterns were replaced by mannequins in the 81 tour and yet people again cheered and were enthralled every bit as much as they would be at any other concert at an encore, despite the fact that not only was it emotionally the same as all the other 14 whatever songs, but there weren't any people <laughs> behind the instruments.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the, the, the 1981 tour is when Kraftwerk played in India. Um, Kraftwerk played two gigs in Mumbai, which was then called Bombay. I've read some accounts of those gigs. It just sounds, it sounds pretty amazing. I think the whole robot thing that you mentioned and and you know are they human or are they post human part of the genius i think of craftwork is that for me growing up as an indian female i could relate somehow to these white germans in germany because they kind of portrayed themselves as robots they could be anybody they could be white black you uh indian you wouldn't know really um,
0: oh, but they had
1: this kind of um cross-cultural appeal because they're saying in a way that it, it's not really about what we look like just look at these robots instead it, it gave them this cross-cultural appeal that i think is really interesting where i think there are a lot of kids who grow up thinking man i want to be a robot when i grow up i want to be just like craftwork um <laughs> And it it gave you um, this interesting way of thinking about things that uh, was beyond the human designations that we have on Earth, but that things could be somehow different or somewhat weird, but maybe on an alien planet or, or, you know, maybe they're robotic or maybe they're cyborgs, I don't (laughs) know, they're something else.
0: It removed the ego from music, which was kind of a beautiful thing. They were interchangeable, but yet uh, there was still emotion to it.
1: You know, even though they did do interviews and things like that, they kept everything under this uh, secrecy. Nobody really knew how they were making these sounds, and so they developed this real interesting air of mystery. And regardless of whether you're a super fan of Craftwork or you've just only casually heard uh, a song or two, the impact of Craftwork. On popular music is indelible.
0: Thanks for all that. That's Gita Dayal. She's a music writer and wrote the book Another Green World. It's a book about Brian Eno's amazing 1975 album. Let's go out on Kraftwerk's 1983 single Tour de France. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's all songs considered.